Retail Confessions from a Trend Expert is a podcast where we explore the latest trends and products by sharing shopping excursions and trying new products. Our host, a seasoned trend expert, will provide insights into the world of retail and share their experiences with you. Join us as we explore the latest trends and uncover what's hot and what's not in the retail world. Hey there, excited to be here with you on this Monday. I'm not sure what day it is for you, but I'm starting my week off and excited to talk about some brands that I found in New York. So on this latest edition, I was going to New York for the FEI conference, actually going to Boston, and I had a meeting in the city on Monday, and I really wanted to finally go to Pop-Up Grocer. So if you're not familiar with Pop-Up Grocer, it's this really, really cool grocery store that focuses on innovative and unique brands. So the founder, Emily Schilt, she founded in 2017. She really wanted to create a platform for brands that were just starting up to be able to find their customers, but also she wanted to visit a grocery store that she thought was interesting. So she said, you know, why do I go to the grocery store? And I just don't feel inspired yet. There's so many cool food brands online, so many cool direct-to-consumer brands. And I really resonated with that. When I saw Pop-Up Grocer, I thought, oh my gosh, like this looks like a store that Ebco could have started because we're always looking at emerging brands and products. And we had experienced a lot of what we saw at that store, but there was also a lot of new to us products, which is always exciting. What also sets Pop-Up Grocer apart is that it's very temporary. So it originally started as a pop-up, hence its name, and it would move on to different locations. So there'd be a pop-up in Denver, Los Angeles, Chicago and New York. And now they have a permanent location in New York. So if you're ever in the city, it's a great one to go visit on, I believe it's on Bleecker Street. And now you can go in and they're constantly changing out the products to get really new stuff. And part of that element of excitement and exclusivity. So you basically have a limited window of opportunity to explore and purchase those products. They also do a lot of local brands. So I like that they're in some ways giving back to the community. They're giving startups and small entrepreneurs a chance and so that's really part of their mission. And you can see a lot of regionally specific products in their New York store. They're also thinking about current food and wellness trends. So a lot of plant-based offerings. I saw a lot of brands that I've seen on Instagram before, a lot of adaptogen beverages, no alcohol products. So they're really, really unique. I would say way more unique even than you can usually find in a Whole Foods. Although there were a few products that I have seen now at other types of retailers like they had the Snow Days Pizza Bites brands, but now you can get those at Fresh Market and some other grocery stores. So it's interesting to see some traditional retailers even be able to catch up. I will say they do have a somewhat of a wellness lens to a lot of the products. It's also not totally accessible. I know these brands have a high cost and probably a higher, higher cost to get their goods out there, but it is somewhat of, a, of an expense to shop there. And I imagine you could go through $100 really quickly just by throwing a few items in your cart. But I do think the concept is really unique and it's also creating buzz around these brands and giving them that really temporary and experiential nature for these products. So I'm going to talk about a few that I saw while I was there. So one that caught my eye, and a lot of times when I'm shopping, I always look at packaging to see what the claims are. And I usually I always hear this from our bigger food clients or beverage clients that 
small brands always get away with having a lot of claims that a bigger brand just can't. So they'll say things like, you know, promotes immunity or promotes skin glow, which is something that I think at a bigger brand level, the FDA is just scrutinizing a lot more. So with the claims, though, I think they usually are an indicator of where we see things headed. A lot of these brands have started because they've noticed a consumer demand or an interest that a bigger brand is not currently creating. And that's how they've gotten some traction is there's a, a small group of consumers or sometimes a large group of consumers that is interested in this, but hasn't been able to find the market leader to provide that need. So one that I saw was called the Just Nosh Collagen Protein Bar. The reason I picked it up was it, it's because it's specifically for FODMAP. So FODMAPs, if you haven't heard of this before, it's typically when you have IBS or some type of other gastro issue, you'll go on a diet like FODMAP, which is a very restrictive diet. They're just, I looked at it earlier and you know you can't eat onions or garlic or even nectarine. So it's not very intuitive. There's just a lot of things that are digestively hard on the body or can create digestive issues, but it's not as easy as like not eating carbs, but you can eat all fat. There's a lot of this and that things that you can't eat from both categories. But this protein bar, they're formulated to be low in FODMAPs, making them suitable for people with sensitive digestive systems, or if you have IBS. I think it's interesting. I was reading that over 30% of adults in the United States have some type of digestive issue. So it's definitely something that's not, doesn't mean you have to be diagnosed as having IBS or chronic IBS, but if you've ever been super bloated, or you just feel like your stomach's hurting you, or you're having discomfort, all of these things can you know, come back to our food choices. And so there's more companies now that are thinking of FODMAP. I was also surprised with learning about this with brands like Belly Welly is that it can also be from sugar alcohols and sugar sweeteners. And there's that's in so much of our products today, especially with a focus on low sugar and eating better and better for you. And, but now consumers are correlating that with, if you get too much of that in your system sometimes, or you have a chronic issue, it's causing more problems. So FODMAP focuses on using sugars things like rice syrups and brown sugars, but things that aren't going to affect those that have IBS or irritable syndromes. They also had collagen, which we've seen that in a lot of products. So that wasn't the most unique thing, but I think collagen is still an interesting benefit. I was actually watching the show called Exo Kitty on Netflix, and it was about Korean culture and skincare. And one of the characters was telling Kitty that like he was accusing her of stealing his collagen water for his face and his recovery water. So I thought that was super interesting just because I do have found collagen and other cultures still very, very popular. So it'd be interesting to see if it continues to be a popular ingredient in the United States. So the next product I got was Ono Protein Oats. So these, this is an overnight oat product. I loved the flavor and the packaging. The flavor I got was the vegan peanut butter banana split. I have to say, I have surprised we don't see more banana split flavors. I thought that was such a great combination. It has 20 grams of protein, lion's mane mushroom, so it has somewhat of an adaptogen in there and something that's going to help you with some brain fog and you can prepare hot or cold and you let it sit overnight in the packaging. So I loved that the packaging was resealable so that you were able to, they call it sleep or steep. So basically you could let it steep hot right now and eat it, or you could sleep it overnight and then wake up and have it. And what's inside, they have a pretty predominant, just gluten-free oats, a vegan protein blend, bananas, peanuts, chocolate chips, chia seeds, and lion's mane mushroom. So I thought, you know, this whole idea of having the packaging that you can eat out of, I was thinking about this lately because we're going on a, my husband and I are going on a hiking trip and we're getting the dehydrated food packs that you can eat out of. And there's a special like spork you can buy so that it's easy to eat out of. 
And what's interesting about that is we see a lot of these trends like crossing over now that we're becoming so convenient space that even like getting a bowl and then having to wash it is too much effort. So it's interesting to think about all of this being done in the same bag and really getting kind of two uses out of that packaging, especially if it's something that's going to be cold, you're not worried about heating it up in plastic. So I think we're going to see more packaging that can double and make it easier. I was even joking on another call, we were talking about how cereal bars have grown so much bar, the bar category has grown faster than the cereal category. And part of the reason is with little kids, those of you that have little kids like me, you'll know this is that cereal is super messy. It's not something you really take on the go, especially if you're adding liquid to it, or even all the little pieces, they even dry cereal, it gets all over. So it's something where I could see more formats like this, where the packaging is thinking some of that for you. And thinking of a bag is a little bit easier than a bowl, which can kind of slosh all over or kind of moves with momentum. So it's interesting to think about that as a, a good use case for parents or for those that are trying to eat in their car while they're driving or while they're a passenger. So I haven't tried this product yet, but I think it looks pretty good. So I'm going to dig into this at my house. The next product I'm going to talk about is always toast gummies. So I bought these gummies because I was super interested in this format. I loved the packaging. It says always toast before you drink to your health. So it's a little, not so intuitive on the front what it is, but I realized quickly that it is gummies before you drink. So you take five gummies before you drink and you can take another gummies if you needed, but they're supporting your liver so that you can celebrate and still feel great afterwards. So I'm not really sure. It looks like milk thistle is the active ingredient and then cactus powder and then matcha green tea. So I've seen some products before that focus on this hangover prevention and this idea of helping your liver detoxify the alcohol. So I love seeing a gummy format that just makes it very accessible to take with you and also really easy, but also something fun and a little more celebratory than having a, another drink or a powder or a pill. The other product I got was called Brella. It's a cocktail drops that makes 15 zero proof drinks. One of the things I really liked about this brand is it says zero proof right on the packaging. So I knew instantly how to use it. I didn't have to think like, oh, is this actually going to work as a mocktail? Will I have to Google replacements? But you're actually just meant to put it in sparkling water and it makes 15 drinks. So I thought that was a pretty interesting value proposition because even mocktails are usually only a few dollars cheaper than their alcohol counterparts. And even the done for you mocktails that are sold in packaging are usually not usually more of a premium item. So I think it's interesting to now sort of see the value portion of having a zero proof or having a mocktail. So when I smell this, this flavor is called jazz and club. It smells very, I want to say like whiskey, but a little bit sweeter. And so I was wondering how they came up with these flavors. I'm looking at their website right now. If you hear a little pause, but they have a margarita version. I remember seeing that one actually, but thought I would buy something a little more interesting. They have a tiki drink, which I did not see that one. That one sounds super interesting. Yeah. So moving on a couple other brands I've liked that I've seen on their Instagram before, or just saw in store, but didn't purchase were products like acid league. So acid league is a brand of, they call it flavor tripping vinegars and sauces and condiments. So I love this. I think I've worked on a lot of vinegar projects in the past and was always surprised that we just don't have more high-end or artisanal vinegars, especially in beverages, where now you're starting to see it in drinks like poppy, where they use apple cider vinegar, but they have things like 
Meyer lemon honey vinegar, wild berry balsamics, saffron gold sauce. So just really compelling names. And the whole goal is to add life to your pantry. They also have a phrase on their packaging called living vinegar. So they're not, you know, killing the mother ingredient in there by um, overly sterilizing it or adding too much heat. And so that actually keeps the health properties intact and the reason why you'd want to drink vinegar in the first place. I saw this brand called Akua, which has a kelp burger. So just some really interesting uses of sea, sea ingredients and sea greens. There was a product called Athletic Brewing that I have actually seen at Whole Foods before. That's one of my favorite brands. It They have a low alcohol proof beer. It tastes just like the real thing, but you can... The whole point of it was they were thinking of people that are runners or that like to work out and then have a beer. And so how do you create something that doesn't give you the, the hangover or the negative side effect? So it's only 0.5 ABV, but it's something that gives you that taste and that feeling like you're having a beverage. Or a Bora. Um, so these are drinks that in the beverage category, they have beautiful packaging. You might've seen it before, but they call it it's water that's sparkling made from herbs, fruits, and flowers. They have flavors in the past. I've seen watermelon, mint, guava, eucalyptus, tangerine, blossom, hibiscus, passion fruit, lime, cardamom, cactus, rose. So they're using a lot of botanicals and getting a more elevated flavor profile than let's say like strawberry or orange, you know, which may on a spectrum sound a little more indulgent or a little more kid-friendly where this is sounding very elevated, almost like a mocktail, but not playing in the mocktail category. So another product that I thought was pretty interesting is called Because Animals. And if you're wondering what these are, they're organic pet food for dogs and cats made with cultured meat. I thought it was interesting that they're using meat that has been made in the lab setting. And so I thought that was a good use case for something that maybe the average person might seem a little too experimental to have a fully cultured steak at this point. And finally, the last product I bought was Climate Candy. So I love the name Climate Candy. It instantly got my attention. It had very Gen Z focused packaging. And what they're doing is they're upcycling fruits and veggies and ugly produce and turning that into candy. So what I loved about this product is I, you know, upcycling is not necessarily a new trend that we're, that we've been seeing. And we usually see it in terms of dried fruits and veggies, but they have this whole saying of we turn problems into candy and they were assorted shoes. I thought it was really good. It was really kind of tangy. And even thinking about it, I'm starting to pucker my lips because I'm remembering the lemon in it. But I thought the idea was executed well and something that I would actually eat even if it wasn't an upcycle product. So I expect that we'll start to see more upcycling and more of these like climate friendly treats. And just have to say, I love that positioning and really tying that problem back to something that somebody would actually want to eat. So there you have it. These are the, the products that I bought on this most recent trip. I really love this, this grocery store concept. I'm hoping that we see more of these in different markets. I know that there is one in Dallas. I'm going to try to quickly Google it to see if I can get that name for you guys. But there's one in Dallas, I think called Foxtrot that my team has been to before that has a similar concept where it's a lot of e-commerce stores. It's a lot of kind of new discovery that you're doing. And they have really cool brands as well, though I think they might have a few more that are a little more mainstream where pop-up grocer, it feels like you're walking into kind of Willy Wonka's factory of grocery products and, and really fun snack products and things that feel a little like indulgent, but like a guilty pleasure of something that you get to, to buy or experience. Like even these banana split overnight oats, 
this is something that is really combining a lot of trends that I like, which is like interesting flavor, interesting preparation. And it's also fitting a need of something that I can eat for breakfast and, and feel like fun and kind of silly about. But I think that's the, in the, in general, pop-up grocer just seemed like a place where even though I, as I mentioned, it'd be pretty expensive to buy all your groceries there just to pop in and get a few things and add some moments of delight throughout your week. It's relatively accessible because food itself is a little more accessible than buying like a luxury handbag or going out and trying a new wellness treatment. So, you know, for $4, I got to buy this oatmeal bag, which is way more than I would spend probably on a, a bag of eight oatmeals. But the thought of what it's what it's doing and the role that it's playing is a bit different. So I think it's just interesting to think about how, why some of these brands do well when they're out of context of a traditional grocery experience and how does that play into these more experiential type stores. And I was thinking about like Trader Joe's where people don't always, they feel like it's good value, but they're not necessarily looking at the price in the same way because they're seeing it more as they know the job that that meal is doing for them and also the convenience aspect of it. So they're valuing it a little bit higher than if they were at Kroger and just like comparing, you know, 10 options together. So I think it's just an interesting retail trend. I love all these experiential retail that we're seeing out there and this kind of revival that we're seeing of in-person experiences again. And how can we think about that in a new way? And I think it could be really cool if grocery stores had a pop-up shop that was a shop within a shop of cool brands that they're trialing and things that they want you to know about. When I was in Tokyo for a project earlier this year at this beauty store, they had a section that was like just in and like based on trends and it was more experimental products and they would explain kind of the trend behind it. So like glass skin or glazed donut products or different types of cleansers that are brand new. And I thought that was a good way to educate the audience that this isn't, maybe this isn't something that you're, you would expect to see here because it's brand new, but this is the new section for those that really want to feel like they're trying something new, experiential. And they had a whole like tasting and, and tester area that was associated with it. So it could be interesting to think about that for retail is like, how do you kind of create this more experiential moment that is creating some hype and is kind of creating some diversity within the store and allowing people to try a lot of these online brands. I also will say too, from a customer journey perspective, whenever I see an online brand that I have seen ads for, but I haven't necessarily, you know, pulled the plug and purchase it, it makes me feel like I'm seeing something that like I'm on, I'm on the inside of something. Like when I see a brand that I've always been excited to try, but it's a little inaccessible to ship it and to order the quantity that's required. And then you see it in person and like a single serving, it's like an instant yes for me. I'm like, wow, yes, I get to finally try this. And that's when then I, I think about reordering. I had this happen with me with Snow Days Pizza Bites. That's a brand where if you look it up, it's like four bags are almost $50 for pizza bites, which is so excessive. But what's really interesting about Snow Days is they're made out of cassava. It's all like paleo and, and really healthy ingredients. So they're also something that I feel much better giving my kids versus you know, something that I feel like maybe is essentially just a carbohydrate. So it's really, there's a value proposition there, although it's a little bit out of my comfort from a budget perspective to spend that much on a pizza bite. So I've heard about this brand. I see their ads. I see their website, done research on them. While I was walking in Fresh Market, a grocery store that we have in our area, that's a little bit more on the premium end. So it's one of those grocery stores you go just to like get a little odds and ends and not your full cart. 
Well, I saw snow days there and it was $10 for one bag, which is still, you know, let's say pizza bites is still a lot of money for not a Costco size bag of pizza bites, like a, let's say a smaller bag, maybe a, a two serving bag of pizza bites. But I bought it because the connection for me was that, you know, it's already something I've been interested in. I don't want to think about it anymore. I just want to try it and I'll see if the value is there. But also I feel like I've seen this brand 12 times now before I got to the store. So I think there is something to be said about these direct-to-consumer brands and how they're able to then build that loyalty in person because you've already experienced them. It's really that pre-journey where, you know, in my, in my everyday life, now that I don't watch a ton of TV anymore, I really don't see a lot of other food brand ads. I feel like I mainly get inundated with these more specialty brands that have more money for advertising. So it is interesting just to think about how that journey has really changed and also how people like what's, you know, how are they learning about these brands? And then also, how do you create more of that specialty experience? Well, that's it for this episode of Retail Confessions. I'm hoping to, now that I'm going to Austin next week for IAX, I'm hoping to visit a retailer down there, maybe HEB, which I loved when I lived in Austin to do an audit on them and to talk about some of the, the products that I'm seeing. But would love to hear any, any questions that you have. And I hope you have a great rest of your week. Oh, 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 oh,